Hello folks, welcome back to the High Performance Human Triathlon Podcast. This is another bite-sized episode and I'm your host, Simon Ward. If you aren't already a regular listener, I hope that after listening today, you might feel like you will come back. And if you do, please make sure to hit the subscribe button so you know exactly when a new episode arrives. The podcasts are published twice a week, ad-free, with the mission of improving the health and performance of endurance athletes. To help me, I'd love it if you could share the episode with just one person who you think might benefit. And if you have a couple more minutes, perhaps you could leave me a review on your chosen platform once you've finished listening to this episode. Okay, this week's topic, zone two training. It's a topic which seems to be everywhere now, although I'm not sure how many folks truly understand its true benefits. Many of you are probably already training in zone two and appreciate why it should be a key plank of your endurance training, but it's a lot deeper and more nuanced than that. So I'm going to try and simplify matters in the next 10 minutes or so. So let's start right at the beginning. What is zone two? It's a low to moderate level of cardiovascular exertion and power output that can be maintained for quite a substantial amount of time. Think of an easy run or a moderate bike ride. Now, much of the feedback I get from athletes is that it feels too easy and they question whether this intensity will actually be of any benefit to the fitness. Quite often, they're coming back from training sessions feeling guilty that they haven't pushed harder. And perhaps they ask, should I be in zone three or four so I get more bang for my buck, especially if they're limited for weekly training time? So once we understand what zone two is, how do we know where our own zone two is? There's many options for you, and each of them will probably give you a slightly different level of effort. Breathing, rate of perceived exertion, heart rate, and power output, particularly on the bike. So let's talk about those in turn. Breathing. My question here is, can you hold a conversation while you're training in zone two? If you can, you're probably in the right zone. So here's an example. Let's say you're having a phone call with somebody. You could exercise at zone one and hold a conversation with them on the other end without them knowing you were exercising or working out. At zone two, you could still chat with them and they might have a little bit of an idea when you pause for breath occasionally. At zone three, you'd be pausing a lot more frequently. In zone four, very regularly and if it was in zone five then you'd just be uttering single words if that in fact it wouldn't be a conversation the other person would just be listening to you being a deep breather so if you're in tune with your body and what it's telling you then breathing is actually a really really solid way of predicting zone two and that's not my explanation that's from coach and physiologist Inigo San Milan a research professor from Boulder Colorado who also coaches Tadej Bogaccia and you can hear him talk about this in a podcast with Peter Atia, where they discuss zone two in far more detail. And I will put a link to that in the show notes. Now, this all ties nicely in with rate of perceived exertion, otherwise known as RPE. This is a range of scores from one to 10, where one is pretty much no effort at all. So sitting on your sofa and 10 is absolutely flat out sprinting for your life. So zone two fitting into that one to 10 would be around five to seven. Let's talk about heart rate. A lot of people have heart rate monitors. And by the way, if you're using one of those, I would suggest that you 
use a chest strap and link that to the device that you have on your wrist rather than using the wrist-based um, heart rate measurement, which can be a little flaky, particularly at high intensities. So if you want really accurate results, use the, use the heart rate chest strap. So when you're using heart rate, you want to be aiming for somewhere between 70 to 78%. So 74, 75% is right in the middle. It's definitely below what's known as aerobic threshold, which is roughly 75 to 80% of max heart rate. But that does depend on your level of conditioning. Now, if you use power, again, we're talking around 70 to 80% of functional threshold power. And that sounds like it's the same zone as heart rate, but you do need to be careful. Sometimes, depending on your level of fitness and conditioning, you could be riding at a power of 80% FTP and your heart rate could be well above zone two or well below, depending on how you've been doing your conditioning and how fit you are. So be careful with that, please. The best way to find your true zone two is a lab test. And after that, with the data they've given you, you'll be able to compare lactate levels from blood tests, which we haven't talked about today, with power output or with heart rate or even running pace. And if you're in tune with your body and very mindful, you can link that in with your breathing. And if you use three particular methods to triangulate, then you're going to get into the right zone. And remember, it is a zone. It's a gray area. It's not an exact point, And it will change from day to day, depending on how tired you are and how well fueled you are. Now, if we go back to Dr. San Milan, he believes that in the absence of all of these testing methods, then the breathing approach and the torque test is really, really accurate if you understand what your body's telling you. Okay, let's move on to why zone two is important to you. Now, firstly, I'd like to introduce you to a new way of thinking about this. Most of you probably think about how this type of training is going to improve your athletic performance. But let me tell you something. You're not going to be an athlete all of your life but you will still be a human and you will still need good human function. So let's put human health first. Declining mitochondrial function, that's mitochondria, something you're going to hear a lot about today. Declining mitochondrial function is strongly implicated in aging and some of the metabolic diseases that occur as we get older. So cardiovascular health and type 2 diabetes. Exercise, meanwhile, is the only known antidote to mitochondrial dysfunction. And zone two is pretty much the best way to consistently build mitochondria. QED, if you exercise regularly, you're maintaining and improving your mitochondria and boosting your outlook for long-term health. And as you might have heard me say before, if you're really healthy, then performance is a lot easier to put on top of that. So talking of performance, zone two training uses mostly fat for energy. And as I think we all know, Endurance sports are mostly about how effectively you utilize fat. If you have more mitochondria, then your endurance capacity will improve. You also have improved lactate clearance capacity. Burning fat, not glycogen, means there is less oxidative damage to muscles, resulting in a better post-workout recovery. Thus, you'll be able to repeat zone two training for many days if you wish. Granted, you won't appear to build fitness as quickly as you might if you did lots of HIIT training, but neither will you need long recovery or feel quite sore or tired. And your immune system will stay much stronger and healthier. And so you'll be able to train more consistently. And it's this compound effect of many months of zone two style training, which is going to build long lasting fitness. On race day, especially over the longer distances, you'll 
performance is much more likely to be determined by your sub-maximal effort level than your VO2 max. And again, this is determined by what's known as fat max or your fat burning capacity. So the bottom line is this. If you want to improve your long-term health outcomes and your athletic performance, then spending more time working on your zone two is going to give you those results. Okay, now you're probably thinking, what does this mean for my training? So let me ask you a question. Have you heard of 80-20 training? If you have, then I'd say this is the perfect blend for you with 80% of your training in zone two and 20% of it in zone three, four, five and above. But here's a word of caution for you folks who live in an area or like to do your training on the hills. You could complete a long run or ride, analyze your heart rate data, and it might suggest that you spend 60% of your total time in zone two. But if you've been running or riding hills that day, it's entirely possible that you've also been in and out of zone three, four, and five. And the 60% represents an accumulation of time in zone two across the length of the ride rather than a block of time consistently in that zone. So unless it's a block of time, it's not really what I call a zone two ride. So on hilly routes, you're going to have to be really disciplined. When running, this might actually mean walking, which I know is a challenge for some of you to accept that you have to walk in order to stay in zone two. And on the bike, you'll have to be really mindful of the effort you're putting in, which is hard if it's really steep. And if you're riding in a group, you might need to get comfortable with the idea of being dropped off the back occasionally or just choose some flatter routes or ride indoors where you have full control. And I could say the same for running on a treadmill as well. If you want to do a zone two ride indoors, then you should be looking for around 45 to 60 minutes in zone two. And that'll be great for you, especially if you can do it three to four days a week. And if you're reaching to do some hard stuff, then just add in a 10 minute threshold effort at the end or a few short VO2 max intervals. Okay, I think that I've covered everything, but if there's anything missing or if you've got any questions, please drop me an email and you can find a link for that in the show notes below. And if you like this podcast, please, could you leave a rating or a review on your chosen platform? And if you think there might be somebody else who'd benefit from listening, please feel free to share it with them as well. Thank you again for listening. I really appreciate that. And I'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Bite Size Podcast.